special Remembrance Day edition of The Feed on 105.9 The Region. Welcome to a special Remembrance Day edition of The Feed. I'm Ann Romer. Canadians began observing Remembrance Day in 1931. Every year on November 11th, we pause in a moment of silence to honour and remember those who have served and continue to serve Canada during times of war, conflict and peace. As the number of World War II veterans continues to decline, we also turn our hearts and minds to the well-being of those courageous vets who are now in their mid to late 90s. Joining us with more is the Minister of Veterans Affairs, Lawrence McCauley, MP for Cardigan PEI. Thank you, Minister McCauley, for being with us on the feed. And it's a pleasure to be with you and, and to be your Minister of Veterans Affairs. It's an honor. So, Minister McCauley, how important are Second World War veterans who are thankfully still with us, their importance, for instance, to the country, to our democracy, to our freedom? They're important to our democracy and our freedom, and it's so important that people realize that. I think you probably, I realized it more because I was here 25 years ago at the 50th anniversary, and just to see what a reception veterans get when they uh, when they go to, let's say, the Netherlands or places like that, and they, they kick the Nazis out and told the people of the Netherlands, just live the way that you want to live. That's something else. What does Veterans Affairs then do to recognize and support our living World War II veterans? Well, of course, uh, they're getting older, uh, Anne, and, uh, and that's for sure. And we, have, when we, well, we invested $10 billion shortly after we got formed government, and now it's up to over around 11. And there's a lot of different programs, of course. Uh, I think the education program is so important for for now up uh, for people now in the Canadian Armed Forces, but the other part of the funding is important for to make sure we're able to provide the health benefits. You can never repay the veterans. Let me tell you, you cannot repay the veterans for what they did. But we have to compensate them for any problems they have the best way we can, and that is my responsibility at the Government of Canada, and it's a pleasure to have that responsibility. And as Veterans Affairs Minister, could more be done by you and your government? And in fact, should we be doing more as citizens of Canada to help support our veterans beyond saying thank you for what you've done every Remembrance Day? Oh, well, of course, it's so important to, um, uh, on Remembrance Day and not Remembrance Day, I think if you see a veteran and you'll see them with their, with their medals on, they earned those. They weren't given to them. They earned those with blood, sweat, and tears and seeing their comrades die alongside of them. It's important to remember that. They did that for you and I so that we could live the lives we have to live. It's vitally important that, number one, just say thank you for what you did it would be a great gesture. And also, as a government, it's so important that we improve programs. And, of course, we have improved some programs, like a Center of Excellence for PTSD, Center of Excellence for Chronic Pain, and those kinds of things, and many other programs. They're vitally important. We, and also to understand that sometimes their problems, their injuries, you can't see them. It's, it's inside, and that's so important to realize that. You brought up a very good point. Younger war veterans are dealing with a range of issues like PTSD, as you mentioned, unemployment, physical and mental changes to their quality of life, even poverty. Where does Veterans Affairs Canada come in? Well, it comes in everywhere, really, as far as dealing with veterans, because as we've emphasized when we started this uh, uh, broadcast that they've uh, paid uh, a large price for providing be- uh, our freedom and democracy. Uh, what we need to do is provide housing. We got veterans that are, are don't have a home. We're we're working very hard to try to eliminate that. And I have to say, the private sector is involved in a number of of areas across the country. In that, I visited centers right across Canada. Everybody wants to help the veteran, but sometimes there's many, many different issues. But and when we find them, they need the programs. You have to, we have to realize that in in the veterans community, there's practically every walk of life. Society needs those people, 
for our economy itself. So that's why the education program is there. It's just so important that we do as much as we possibly can to make sure their lives are good. They could get off track a bit, help them there too. They're just humans. They, they offer themselves up for you and I. We better make sure that we do what we, we need to do. You have also served as Secretary of State for Veterans. This was, as you mentioned, 25 years ago during the 50th anniversary of D-Day. You are now Veterans Affairs Minister some 25 years later. What have you learned from that experience that you bring to the table today? What I've learned, and I think um, Veterans Affairs has learned, society has learned, I think, and one thing I've mentioned is that Injuries, 25 years ago, you had to be lame or you had to see the gash, really. That was the situation. Now, internal injuries, mental in, mental health problems, all these things, they view so many things that's so horrible in life. Uh, to There's much more of a realization, or, or a lot more. Probably we need to even be more so, but we realize that veterans are, are not well because it's, uh, it can be a mental problem they have to deal with, PTSD, pain, all this. All these problems are much different now than they were 25 years ago. We, we have come to an understanding that we must do more, and we have done more over the last 25 years, and we're helping more today. But even more to be done, and for sure. Minister McCauley, this year's Remembrance Day will be decidedly different because of the pandemic. What do you think we should keep in mind as we observe a moment of silence at 11 a.m. on the 11th day of the 11th month? Just exactly what it was like when the veterans uh, stood in the mud and dirt and, and death and, and pain and everything else, we must realize what they went through. That's what I think when you think about it. And you think about mothers waiting for their sons to come home. I often said the mother with her face against the wet pane of glass, wondering where her son is. That is the kind of thing that I think about when we talk about commemorating. It's so important that we remember. When you think about the battle that we are all fighting right now, we are waging war against a pandemic, what can our veterans, our men and women currently serving, those who paid the ultimate sacrifice in, in past wars and those who lived to survive and continue to protect our freedoms, what, what can we learn from them as we wage war against the pandemic? Well, of course, number one, uh, I think the number one issue, and is that uh, we had uh, veterans, uh, we had uh, Canadian Armed Forces members going into the long-term care homes in, uh, in Canada. They serve where they're asked to serve. They do what's needed to be done to protect you and I. They have done that so often, and they continue to do it. If Anyone listening right now, and that could be someone who is currently serving or has a family member who is a veteran or is a veteran himself or herself, how can they reach out to Veterans Affairs Canada and what would they be able to receive from you in terms of help and support? Well, of course, uh, what we want to do with uh, with our veterans today is to make sure they are come back into society. That's part of my responsibility, in fact, is to help uh, uh, Canadian Forces people um, um, come back into the labor force in, in our country. I say we need them. We have the education programs, we which are so important, and they can train to. As I said before, we have every walk of life in the military. We need them in the private sector. We want to do the things to help them get a real good job. If they have health problems, contact uh, Veterans Affairs Canada, and uh, there are programs in place to help them. And as I said, we have centers for PTSD and chronic pain. These things are so important just to help the, the veterans to make sure that they have as good a quality of life as they can possibly have. I want to thank you, Minister of Veterans Affairs, Lawrence McCauley, for joining us on this special Remembrance Day edition of The Feed. Thank you, Anne. When we come back, the Legion, the Poppies, the Animals in War. 
This is a special Remembrance Day edition of The Feed on 105.9 The Region. The Remembrance Day edition of The Feed. More to come. Stay with us. Listen live anytime at 1059theregion.com. We remember on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to a special Remembrance Day edition of The Feed. I'm Ann Romer. The Canadian Legion supports veterans and their families. Tina Cortez with how the organization also strengthens our communities. Gary Pond is the president of the Royal Canadian Legion Ontario Provincial Command. Gary, thank you for joining us on the feed. It's my pleasure being here today. Before we talk specifically about the Legion and and your work, let's talk about your time in the Canadian Armed Forces. Sure. I served in the military for 23 and a half years, uh, mostly during uh, peacetime, uh, 1972 to 1996. Uh, so as you know, it's 23 years, a long time. That my Most of my adult and uh, youth part of my, young, younger part of my adult life was in the military. And it was a great life. And why did you join to begin with? Why did you go down that road? <laughs> Uh, like all Canadians, love of a country and uh, the desire to serve our country, I guess, is uh, what what brings most Canadians who join the military to do so. It's uh, an incredibly rewarding life, uh, and anybody who served in the military can uh, certainly understand that for sure. And what was it like transitioning out of a 23-year career into regular or normal life? What was that like for you? Interesting question. I uh, and and it's funny, but the Legion certainly helped me with uh, transitioning from the military to civilian life. Uh, I worked for the Department of National Defense after I uh, retired from the military, so I still had some connections. But Legion life is quite quite good for uh, military and ex-military guys because it gives you uh, somewhere where you can go and talk to people who share the same uh, things that you shared in the military. So So let's talk a little bit about the Royal Canadian Legion. I grew up in a neighbourhood in Toronto. I remember seeing the Legion building. I remember hearing bagpipes, you know, from my bedroom window. So I felt like it was always a part of my neighbourhood, part of my community. Tell us about the importance of the Legion to a community. Absolutely. The Legion uh, in a lot of communities across the country, uh, in Ontario, is the hub of the community. Uh, even in neighborhoods such as Toronto, growing up in a big city in Toronto, I'm sure that uh, people know that the uh, the community, the, the neighborhood of that community uh, was around the Legion. It's the hub. It's where people got married. It's where they had their stag and doe. It's sometimes where people get uh, go out of the world. So uh, very, very much so, uh, Legion is a community and uh, therefore veterans. And what about now during the pandemic? How is the Legion part of the community for veterans and for the neighborhood? Well, social distancing and the things that are going on with COVID-19 certainly make things difficult for not just the Legion life, but everybody's life. And uh, no different with the Legion. Uh, many, many Legion branches are not, not yet open from COVID-19. We're, um, we're in a, some, some branches are, for sure, but with restrictions, uh, how many people can be in there and so on is still a bit of an issue. There are still some programs. The Legion is still dealing with their programs and helping veterans who need assistance. So we have vet build. We have different projects that are going on. Our operational stress injury section is busy with uh, helping veterans. And we have a homeless veterans program that is, is as well very busy with helping veterans. So, yep, for sure. The work and the life still goes on. Tell us about your work as the president. Well, the president's uh, <laughs> the president of the Royal Canadian Legion Ontario Command is more of a it's it's a guiding it's a helping branches. We have 395 Legion branches in Ontario, so it's a bit of supervision. It's a bit of uh, communicating, and it's a little bit of. Uh, trying to get everybody to work together sometimes, is, uh, which is one of our biggest challenges for sure. 
What does this Remembrance Day mean to you? Remembrance Day, to me, is always a time of uh, reflection about uh, the red poppy and speak uh, in, in remembrance and symbolism, but it's also very, very important because the poppy is uh, not only symbolic, but it also helps legions and, and, and veterans help veterans. So very, very important as all Canadians. I, I, I feel no different, I'm sure, than almost all Canadians and all Ontarians. Gary Pond, President the Royal Canadian Legion, Ontario Provincial Command. Thank you for joining us on the feed. Thank you for your service. It's my pleasure being here today, and thank you very much. Bye-bye. The Legion is also instrumental in the sale of poppies, even during a pandemic. Afwa Ba with that story. Joining me today is Najma Bond, Manager of Communications at Royal Canadian Legion National Headquarters, and we're talking about a new way that you can get your poppy with just the tap of your debit or credit card. Najma, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Afwa, for having us. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Okay, so for those that may not know, uh, of course, this is a new way to buy your poppies uh, for this Remembrance Day season. If you could tell us a bit about it. Yes, absolutely. And what we like to say is that people are donating to receive poppies, and this year there is an additional way to do so. They're called pay tribute boxes, and it's a pilot project this year. The boxes will be in about 250 locations across the country. And it's a tap-and-pay solution. And what that means is that people can come up to the box, and if they have a tap-enabled card or device, they can then tap the box and donate $2 each time they tap. And it's a totally contactless, touchless environment, which is really, really a nice solution for not only what's happening with us now, everybody's having to take certain precautions related to the pandemic and this gives people the option to donate without having to touch anything. They're also able to then retrieve their poppy um, as soon as they do their tap and pay. And then if somebody taps once and maybe they want to tap in, uh, maybe if they want to donate more than the $2, would that be possible? Yes, absolutely. So each time you tap, you would be donating $2. And it's a fee-free process, so you're not charged any fee to do this. You tap one. If you want to donate, you know, six dollars, then you're going to tap three times. So it's just however many times you you wish to tap. You can just times that by two, and that would be the amount that you're donating. Okay, cool. And then also, um, I know that you mentioned, of course, this is a pilot project. But will we be seeing um, members of the Royal Canadian Legion uh, buy these uh, tap and pay boxes like we do with the traditional ones? These tap-and-pay boxes will be primarily standalone boxes, and it is also one of the things that we're encouraging branches across the country to do this year, and that is to rely more on standalone boxes, even traditional poppy boxes, simply because there are many restrictions locally in lots of communities across the country, and this reduces risk for everybody involved. So for the tap-and-pay boxes, the pay-tribute boxes, they will be standalone. And um, again, it gives people the opportunity, the environment in which they can donate and feel totally that they're safe and they're not touching anything other than the poppy that they may wish to retrieve at the, t- at the same time. For those that may not know, we know that we buy a poppy, but we don't necessarily m- know what the campaign is about. If you can maybe give me a little bit of context or some background on what this uh, campaign does and who it helps. Absolutely. So every year at this time, when people donate to the National Poppy Campaign, the funds that are donated go directly into the Poppy Trust Fund. And the Poppy Trust Fund is the primary fund from which branches across the country can draw to do all sorts of things to help our veterans and their families. And so the range is extensive. There's everything from helping veterans who are facing emergencies. So getting them some emergency funding. We have programs that help get veterans off the street if they're facing homelessness, for example. We also are able, through our service officers across the country, to help veterans fill out the many forms and different things that they need to do to be eligible for the benefits that they can receive federally. So that's one of the other services that's provided. And as listeners may know, many veterans face operational stress injuries and sometimes when they have a peer support group, that kind of an environment in which they can speak to other soldiers and other veterans about their past or maybe just have a fun event together. We also support programs 
that enable that kind of a thing. So, for example, we have one called Buddy Check Coffee, and it's exactly what it sounds like. People can get together, veterans have a coffee, have a chat. We have uh, another program called Operation Vet Build, and in that program, veterans get together and they literally build models. So it could be model planes, model helicopters, whatever they wish to, to build. And again, that's another safe environment, a chance for them to get together with their peers. So there's a whole range of things that happen through the Poppy Trust Fund, and that's what people are enabling when they do donate to the campaign every year. And Canadians are very generous. Close to $20 million are donated every single year. If you could just uh, just hammer it down once again, the importance of, of wearing the poppy and just what it means, the significance behind it in terms of honouring our veterans. The poppy itself is such a well-recognized symbol, not only in Canada, but in different parts of the world. And it really, when it's worn over your heart, it really is a reflection of the true thankfulness that we all have for our veterans. And the freedoms that we enjoy today in Canada and in other parts of the world are a direct result of our veterans' sacrifices. And so people in different parts of the country this year may be facing local restrictions. They may not be able to attend a ceremony this year. And we really welcome them to wear a poppy and on the 11th of November at 11 o'clock to be able to take two minutes, two minutes of silence and really reflect upon not only the sacrifices of our veterans, but the freedoms that we have today and the freedoms that they enjoy because veterans of the past would also be happy that we have these freedoms. It's why they served, they sacrificed, so that future generations could have these freedoms. And so they would be very happy to know that we are enjoying those types of things here in Canada today. And we ask that people think about that. Finally, just going back on in terms of the box, uh, is there a way if maybe for any reason you can't, uh, you know, tap or you can't find the box and uh, you want to pay online, is that possible? Yes, that is another option. People can go to legion.ca and donate that way because perhaps they may not be able to get to reach either type of box this year. And if so, they can go to legion.ca and donate that way. Another program that we have this year as a direct result of the pandemic situation is a wreath program, a national wreath program. So people can choose to donate to the Poppy Trust Fund and buy a wreath that will then be pre-placed for the national ceremony on November 11th. And that's another way that an individual or a group of people can get together and purchase one of these wreaths and have them pre-placed. Another way to donate to the Poppy Trust Fund if the other options aren't maybe available to people. Beautiful. And then I just wanted to get a bit of a clarification. The tap and pay box, uh, if somebody, for some reason, they they go to the HSBC bank, they don't have uh, maybe their card on them, maybe they forgot it. Is there maybe like a side slot that they could put in their donation like via coins or would they just maybe have to find another box to maybe drop in their money? Well, there, there may be an instance whereby there would be a traditional box near a tap-and-pay box, but generally speaking, it will be one or the other. So um, usually, though, they will find another traditional box somewhere very close by because they will be in many of the traditional places that people are used to seeing, so grocery stores and, and uh, other banks and different retail locations. So there's, for example, Tim Hortons, there's Best Buy, um, People's Jewelers, you, you name it. There's a whole list of places where people can donate. So I think if they, for some reason, are unsuccessful in tapping and paying for some reason, then they should be able to find a box pretty close by. Perfect. Okay. A digital way, basically, especially with this pandemic, things are changing, but a digital way to continue to honor our veterans for this Remembrance Day season. Uh, again, for more information, where can residents go on uh, these new initiatives? And so if people do want some more information, they can go directly to legion.ca. And also through legion.ca, you can actually link to a map and find out exactly exactly where all of the new tap and pay boxes, the pay tribute boxes will be. So all of the information is found online. Perfect. Okay. Uh, definitely more ways to continue to once again honor our veterans this Remembrance Day season. Najma Bond, Manager of Communications at Royal Canadian Legion National Headquarters. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks so much, Afwa. We appreciate it. So when we think of Remembrance Day, the role of animals is often ignored. Jim Lang with How the OSPCA is Changing That. 
Remembrance Day is almost upon us, and our friends at the SPCA have done something really special and actually very timely. It's a reminder of the connection to animals and Canadians who fight in wars and have fought in wars over the years. To talk more about it, I'm thrilled to be speaking with the Ontario SPCA's Community Development Coordinator, Cassandra Vassin. Cassandra, how are you? I'm doing well, Tim. Thank you for asking. Now, I am a a bit of an amateur military historian, and one of the pins I have is a pigeon. For people who don't realize, in World War I, carrier pigeons were absolutely crucial, Canadians and British allies, to send messages back and forth over the trenches in no man's land. You got it. Yeah, they were they were crucial in delivering these messages um, and really helped our, our veterans out during during those war times. Now, this is kind of cool. So there's a pigeon and I see a dog and a horse. Uh, did I have all the animals correct? Yeah, you got it. So as it's actually in 2017 that we launched these animal in war pins. And every year we try to introduce a new collectible um, pin to the collection that features a different animal that kind of helped out during the war time. Uh, so our first one was a horse that was released. Uh, we know that horses transported troops. They hauled supplies like field guns as well as ambulances during the war. Um, and then we released the dog. And we know dogs were critical and served as messengers. They were medical assistants. They did bomb detection and were search and rescue workers. So each of these animals that we feature uh, acts as a symbol for all animals that helped out during these times. Now, I think a lot of people are hearing this and, well, where can I get a pin? Where can I get a pin? Before we go too far in this, what's the best website to get one of these beautiful pins to honor our veterans and the animals who serve with them? Yeah, so if you visit OntarioSPCA.ca, you'll see a little uh, banner there that has the Remember and the Poppy um, picture on there. So if you click that, you can order online or you can call us at the Ontario SPCA and place your order by phone as well. Now, I hope we sell a lot of these this year. Where would the proceeds go? That's an excellent question. So the the pins are sold for about $12 each, and the funds raised really help provide care for animals in need uh, at our adoption centers across Ontario, as well as some of the proceeds go back to support our Royal Canadian Legion branches across Ontario. So about $2.50 from each pin sold goes towards the legions, uh, and the rest helps support animals in our care. Well, I think to me, that's a win-win. You're helping animals, you're helping the Legion. I mean, that sounds perfect to me, Cassandra. Absolutely. And that, that was the goal of the pen. It's by no means to replace the poppy. We encourage you go out and get your poppies still. Uh, this is just meant to warn alongside your poppy. So right beside it, uh, just to recognize those animals that bravely served by our veteran side. Now, I know, Cassandra, some people do have questions and concerns because of the COVID pandemic world that we live in. Is the distribution a little bit different this year than previous years? Yeah, so in previous years, you were able to come into our adoption centers and get your pen right on the spot. This year, we are asking you to visit ontariospca.ca, order your pin online, or give us a call, and we'll mail it directly to you. And, you know, I, I think about this, I think more than ever, this is the kind of cause that seems to me more important to support during the pandemic we're in than maybe in previous years. It just seems to mean more, Cassandra. Absolutely. Well, we know that everybody's having a tough time right now. Um, not only are, are we seeing at our adoption centers an increase in some animals and people needing support for their animals and the care of them, but we also know that our veterans uh, need support as well. So a really, like you said, a win-win situation here. These pins support not only animals in need, but also go back to support our veterans who need our support, especially right now. Speaking with Cassandra Vassin, the Community Development Coordinator for the Ontario SPCA, part of their great program they have right now 
where you can get these commemorative pins to celebrate animals in wartime. And still to this day, Canadian and uh, Allied soldiers use dogs for bomb detection no matter where they're at. So animals are crucial. This year, the carrier pigeon, which was invaluable to sending messages in World War One, The SPCA has been a big part of our family's life personally. Our cat is from the SPCA New Market. She kick out. She's now coming up in 12 years old. So, uh, I mean, the SPCA has brought a lot of animals and a lot of joy to people in the region over the years. But has the pandemic affected animals in the work at the SPCA? It's, it's definitely been a different time for us. So um, we have uh, closed our doors for the public to come in just to limit and slow the spread of the virus. But we are doing adoptions um, virtually and by appointment. So you're able to still uh, meet and greet with some animals virtually and learn all about them by visiting our website or giving us a call. Um, and then we set up an appointment with you where you can, we can do from a safe distance, um, a limited contact adoption. So it's really changed the ways we operate at our centers, but still there for the animals, still there for the community and ensuring these pets find their forever homes. Well, I'm more than a little biased, but the Ontario SPCA is doing some amazing work and continues to do so even with everything going on. And to honor our veterans and Remembrance Day in this way, I think is to be com- to be commended. You can check out their website, ontariospca.ca and slash remember. That's ontariospca.ca slash remember to check out these beautiful pins. Uh, I have one in my hand right now with the carrier pigeon. It's a great way to compliment your poppy, as you had mentioned, Cassandra, and uh, to really think of animals and veterans at this time. It's, it's just a fantastic initiative. Congratulations. Yes, awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who, who supports our animals and our veterans. All the best, Cassandra. Take care. You as well, Jim. Take care. Every year, a sea of red and white Canadian flags paint the front lawns of Sunnybrook Hospital to honour the lives of veterans. But this year, it's going to be a little bit different, of course, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So joining me today to talk about Operation Raise a Flag at Sunnybrook Hospital is Dr. Jocelyn Charles, Medical Director of the Veterans Centre at Sunnybrook. Dr. Charles, thank you so much for joining me today. Nice to join you. Thank you so much. Okay, so uh, just let us know what's happening uh, uh, in terms of remembering our Canadian veterans and how is it going to be different as opposed to other years when this happens? Yes, yeah, so we're having to follow all of the precautions, obviously, with this COVID pandemic, but we want to make sure that our veterans know we have not forgotten them, that we remember their amazing sacrifice for our country. So we're going to do a few things. First, we're we're going to be having our Operation Raise a Flag again, and this is our 10th year where our veterans will be waking up on November 11th to a sea of Canadian flags planted all over the grounds of Sunnybrook. And this was started 10 years ago when we wanted to make sure that our veterans were remembered. Um, And it was just amazing the first few times and actually every year when they wake up and see those flags. There are some tears in the eyes uh, as they realize that Canadians have not forgotten. And it's great because it's really a bringing together of the community and the funds raised, 100% of the funds raised through Raise a Flag campaign go directly to enhancing the lives of our veterans. So it's just wonderful. We also have a service every year, which is a beautiful uh, service where we uh, bring together people who have work in the military, who service veterans and poli- local politicians, as well as our veterans, and we put on a beautiful ceremony. So it's been a challenge to figure out this year how to do it in a way that our veterans will uh, appreciate and see the, the recognition that's gone on, gone on for that is continuing to be uh, uh, carried on in their honor. And so we are actually going to be uh, pre-recording a service, um, making sure that we keep all of the required social distancing. Uh, And we are also going to be having um, uh, wreaths brought to our cenotaph out front. We are going to have a bagpiper and uh, a fly past by the uh, Air Force. Uh, so we are going to do our best to broadcast uh, this service to all of our veterans our, throughout all of our, um, our 15 uh, patient care units within the Veterans Centre. So we're doing our very, very best to make sure that, uh, that we remember. 
Absolutely. And I know veterans and public alike, uh, they look forward to these type of events every year uh, just uh, to find a way to appreciate those who have sacrificed so much for this country. I know one of those events being where the public get to plant the flags, but this year that can't be done. That's going to be done by staff? That's going to be done by uh, Sunnybrook Hospital staff as well as uh, Canadian military personnel. And they've uh, devised a way to do this that follows all of the safety protocols. So we're all going to be out there planting flags this year. um, And we're hoping that once this pandemic is over, our public come back. Uh, because I think it's a wonderful community activity. The donations that people will make, where again will those uh, the donations be going to? So like I said, 100% go directly to the veterans and they fund things like uh, family outings, uh, different events that the veterans want to have, bringing them their favorite foods. So literally uh, directly related to what's important to them. Our whole philosophy is to help every veteran achieve his or her best possible life experience. And so having funds like this helps us to do that. And I think particularly this year during COVID where people are very distracted, Mm -hmm. um, showing them that they, they haven't been forgotten even in the middle of a pandemic will be even more powerful. I'm not sure if this is different from the years previous, but uh, messages can be given to a veteran um, as they donate as well? That's right. You can go to www.raiseaflag.ca and you can uh, purchase a flag and you can put your own personal message on it. And we do convey those messages to the veterans. Beautiful. And uh, how long will the flags be up on the lawns of Sunnybrook? We keep them up as long as they uh, look good. So part of it depends on the weather, but we try to keep them up for at least a week. Um, And then when they start to uh, not be so good because of rain and wind and the Canadian elements, we have to take them down. But we certainly take lots of photographs. Perfect. Okay. Uh, Dr. Jocelyn Charles uh, at Sunnybrook Health Centre, thank you so much for letting me know once again about Operation Raise a Flag and finding any way that we can donate and just thank the veterans for all that they have done for Canadians in the past, right now, and of course in the future. Dr. Charles, thank you so much. Thanks so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Jeff Musson is the CEO of Coding for Veterans. Thank you for taking the time today on this Remembrance Day edition of The Feed, Jeff, to spend some time with us explaining what Coding for Veterans is all about. Thank you for being here. Yeah, I, I appreciate uh, having the opportunity to uh, to talk with you. So let's start with the basics. What is it? Yeah, Coding for Veterans is an organization that helps military veterans to retrain uh, for jobs in Canada's tech sector. Uh, The courses are delivered 100% online through the University of Ottawa, and the best part of the program is uh, for veterans that qualify, Veterans Affairs pays the tuition uh, for those enrolled in the program. So it costs the veterans nothing in which to transition to solid jobs in Canada's tech sector. And how long has this program been in place? Yeah, so the program itself is is new. Um, uh, the first cohort uh, started uh, a year ago in September, and so they had just recently uh, graduated, and I'm happy to say that uh, they virtually have all gotten employment in the tech sector after coming through our program. And so this focuses obviously on the tech sector. There's obviously a need in that area for for people to to come into that industry. Yes. So um, currently, right now, uh, it's projected uh, that there's going to be about 182,000 unfilled IT jobs in the next 24 months in the tech sector. So. Uh, Canada, uh, you know, as a country in the tech sector in particular, has to think out of the box in creative ways in which to close uh, that skills gap. Now, you said that the first cohort just graduated. How many were participating? Yeah, so we actually um, limited it to uh, just under 10 individuals. And the reason why we did that was um, how we are handling retraining and reskilling with this program is very unique. And so uh, we bring together industry mentors, we bring together professors, we use uh, tools and platforms that are used in the tech industry itself and have really repositioned them to be used in the academic area. 
And so those individuals have gone through, uh, been successfully placed, and now the uh, program is starting to scale up across Canada. And who teaches in the Coding for Veterans program? Yeah, so we have individuals uh, that are certified. There's two areas of this program. You have software development, and you also have uh, cybersecurity. So the curriculum is delivered through the University of Ottawa. Uh, It's delivered 100% online, so military veterans can be living anywhere in Canada. Um, And the the professors themselves have um, industry uh, accreditation, but what's really been great is we've actually had one of our first um, uh, students who actually went through the program has actually now come back and is one of our instructors. Oh, very cool. So was it always delivered online or is that because of the pandemic? Uh, no. So what was interesting was when we ended up um, uh, launching this program, the first thing that we decided to do was uh, sit down with military veterans and and hear about their transition. And so we set up focus groups in which to, um, you know, uh, understand their needs. And the first thing that they said was, When we were in the military, we were moving all over the place. Now that we're out, we want to actually establish roots in a community. And so that really was the the beginning or the need for the program to be delivered 100% online because uh, individuals did not want to move to other areas. And where did the idea come from? Did veterans, you know, come to you and say, we need this type of course or program? No, actually. So I... Uh, in addition to um, fund, or founding the, the Coding for Veterans program, I actually own a software business. And it was about a year and a half ago, I was in the midst of hiring individuals. And to say I was underwhelmed at the lack of response and talent coming through the door was an understatement. And in that you know proverbial moment of frustration, I took out a whiteboard and I said, if I were to create my ideal software developer, what skills do what I want them to have, and things such as attention to detail, leadership, a can-do attitude. And I took a step back and I said, holy cow, these people are in the military. And so that was really the whole start of the program. And then I reached out to Veterans Affairs and and others um, and said, is it possible to identify those 7,000 people that annually release from the military and find those interested in transitioning to a tech career? to then partner in with an academic institution, which we did with the University of Ottawa, in which to then give them um, jobs and and retraining for the tech sector. But it really started with that soft skills um, that is, you know, uh, throughout uh, those serving our country. Mm -hmm. So what feedback have you received from veterans, from the students? Uh, the feedback has been absolutely tremendous. So the first thing that they love is with the tech sector, you actually get a solid career. And this is what I always like to tell people is we're, we're not a placement agency. We don't, you know, we're not, we're not placing jobs. We're actually helping people to retrain for careers, and that's how they get the jobs. Uh, the second thing that the veterans love is for the first time in, in you know, uh, their their adult career, they are actually making stable income um, at, a, at a decent pay rate where, you know, these tech sector jobs are, you know, just below $100,000 uh, annually in salary. And for those in the cybersecurity area, they're just over $100,000. So it's, it's stable employment, good paying jobs, and the veterans absolutely uh, appreciate this. Is it tough for them to transition from military life to the virtual classroom? Um, yes and no. So what's interesting was, is there's a lot of training that's always been done online with the military. So a lot of um, military veterans have been exposed to this. What we um, really looked at with this program as well is really made it as user-friendly as possible. In today's day and age, um, computers are part of everyday life. And so they were able to, um, to adapt quite easily. So, Jeff, you're obviously very passionate about your work, your industry, this program. Why does it mean so much to you? And what is the significance, especially on this Remembrance Day? 
Yeah, so when you actually look at our military veterans, they um, really, you know, sacrifice themselves and their families uh, to serve our country. And what better way than we as Canadians are able to provide them opportunities uh, for good-paying jobs in a sector that will be here for a long, long time as a great way to honour their service that they've given and uh, as a way to say thank you uh, for, um, you know, for protecting our country. So well said. If our listeners want to learn more about coding for veterans, where can they find it? Yeah, um, so they can go to our website, www.codingforveterans.com, and they can also follow us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram as well. Jeff Musson, CEO of Coding for Veterans, thank you for joining us on this special Remembrance Day edition of The Feed. Great talking with you. Coming up, veterans past and present, this is a special Remembrance Day edition of The Feed. The Remembrance Day edition of The Feed. More to come. Stay with us. Listen live anytime at 1059theregion.com. We remember our veterans on 1059 The Region. Remembrance Day 2020 will be like no other. Normally, huge crowds of people stand shoulder to shoulder from coast to coast while paying their respects to the brave men and women who died for our freedoms and who survived to continue to protect them. This year, November 11th, because of the deadly pandemic, will be a mainly virtual day with a smattering of in-person events with very small numbers, physical distancing, and masks. For the dwindling number of World War II veterans, Remembrance Day is a of the utmost importance. They are being advised to stay home and watch events unfold on television and online. Four military men, past and present, friends of 1059 The Region, have something to say. We begin with 96-year-old Honorary Lieutenant General Richard Romer, one of the most decorated citizens in Canada. My hero, my mentor, my father. This particular Remembrance Day means to me a very great deal. I am at at the end of a long, long life, and I'll live forever, of course. (laughs) But the reality is that I made a contribution 75, 80 years ago toward the development of Canada as a 20-year-old fighter reconnaissance pilot, and I've tried all the way through my long life to be productive for Canada and for Ontario, and my message to anyone living here in this beautiful country that is so fine and a wonderful place to live, to relish the activity and the freedom that we have here. It's amazing. My message for Canadians, and particularly younger Canadians, as we approach Remembrance Day once again, is that while this great pandemic is on, Please keep going, keep up the spirit, keep up the allegiance to Canada as the finest country in the world in which to live, and be uh, optimistic about the future, notwithstanding all the things that are difficult with this pandemic. But it's a good time to remember Canada and Ontario and all the things that we have here in advantage. George Marco, a 99-year-old veteran of the Second World War, was also a POW. Determined to give back, he is raising money for COVID-19 research. So let's hope we never forget that day. Men, remember the day. So our children will keep that in memory forever. Thank you very much. Also 99, Marvin Gord is a World War II RCAF and RAF veteran. He is taking a million steps for Baycrest, another war hero who is giving back. Remembrance Day for me is a time for reflection on the time that the world was really upside down and total chaos. It was a challenge at the time but it was something that we should never have to face again. It is now a time for honoring those who gave their lives in order to give us the right to live our lives in peace and freedom. And the fact that I had a part in that, and I was one of the lucky ones to make it back home to my loved ones, 
is very, very satisfying and very, very humbling. Brigadier General Conrad Malkowski, Commander, 4th Canadian Division and Joint Task Force Central, led the Canadian Armed Forces deployment to long-term care homes last spring. He and his troops saved lives. To me, Remembrance Day means two things. First and foremost, it's about honouring the past service and sacrifice of Canadian military that gave their lives uh, on behalf of Canada to protect our freedoms. And we have done that for well over 100 years. And it's important as a serving uniformed member um, because this type of honour is it's elemental to many of the things we believe in, in particular the the, the personal importance we put on our, on our chosen profession, that protecting that um, and making sure we honour that is, is important. But equally, it's not just about that sacrifice, because sacrifice without benefit is meaningless. And really, it's about protecting what's important to Canada. And for, for me personally, I see Canada through the importance of what we bring to our citizens and what we bring to the world. And Canadians, to me, are, are based on three big things that can help us define Canada. The first being uh, our belief in inherent human rights. The second is our respect for the democratic process and our institutions. And the third is our adherence to the rule of law. And I use those three things to make me understand what was important about me deploying overseas and leading men and women in dangerous times and being able to explain the value of their deployment to another country to, to potentially risk everything because we believed in the importance of human rights, our democracy, and the rule of law, and in bringing that elsewhere. And, and those two things, and um, bear positive during Remembrance Day. My message to young Canadians is to look to an act of remembrance on November 11th in a meaningful way to them in an age-appropriate manner. And what I mean by that is for young people who are indeed our future, that they understand in some form that the sacrifice of those that have been, been called by Canada, who have served, uh, some of whom lost their life, others who are injured and ill, and the family members all impacted by that, that their sacrifice was an important one for our way of life. And if we take the context of the COVID pandemic we're dealing with, and understand that the greater impact of a world-changing event, like a global war as we saw in 1939 to 1945, or the conflict since then, and in living times conflict as well, that the pressures of living in a pandemic, particularly for children, are acute and, and noticeable in Canada. And they should just understand that others have had sacrifice before, and that they're going to get through this, and that there is a better day in the future that they can look forward to knowing full well that their country and the citizens of Canada are all working together for that. Thank you for your service, Brigadier General Malkowski, George Marco, Marvin Gord, and Honorary Lieutenant General Richard Romer, my father, lest we forget. Remembrance Day on 105.9 The Region.